1: are on the clock, and we have it covered thanks to the fine folk at Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. and today we are flying solo again. Hope you don't mind. Unfortunately, Solak wasn't free today, or at least he wasn't when I reached out. He was still wrapping up his combine travel and all that, but no worries. I got you covered here on your combine wrap-up here on episode 8 of the BGN Draft Specials. We're going to talk a lot about the defensive backs today, actually. who participated on Sunday of day 4, the last. day of combine workouts. We might get into some linebacker talk too. We'll also give some status updates on some injuries, pro day testing, so on and so forth. But I wanted to quickly dial back on something from the wide receiver group. By the way, you can get plenty of wide receiver combine talk on BGN Radio 107. Also the 2020 draft specials, uh, episode six and seven. But on six, I had mentioned in my combine winners and this guy, this is a guy that was like outside of my top 10 wide receivers coming into the combine, but somebody with their testing, I wanted to go back to the tape. Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan, right? He tested really well with a ridiculous 44 and a half inches on the vert, which was just insane. 11-7 on the broad, also very, very nice. And then came away with, with a, solid 40 yard dash. Now here's the problem with Peoples Jones. And I said I was going to go back and watch the film on the five star recruit uh, that failed to get much production going with scattershot quarterback play in Michigan, which I talked about on the show and and I did. I went back to the film. The problem with Peoples Jones in my opinion is that yeah, he may end up being a better pro than a college receiver, but He wasn't a very good college receiver from what I saw. And I don't see him dealing with physicality. I don't see him being sure-handed. He couldn't separate consistently on the film that I watched. So yeah, Shea Patterson missed him a good deal when he threw to him and he was targeted but it wasn't like people's Jones was just running free all game on the non-targets. And I only saw maybe one flash of the explosiveness that we saw in his testing and the drops in the Ohio State game weren't exactly uh, exciting to see. So yeah, a guy with low production, but like was heavily coveted coming out of school that you figure maybe the situation was super bad for him. Yeah, the su- situation was bad, but I also thought that he might be the exact same receiver that he was when he came out from high school because I didn't see much nuance to his game, much polish or anything. Like that, so People's Jones is a guy I went back to the tape and, and just didn't like what I saw. I didn't see the testing translate on film, and that's you know part of the process. We we see some results that shock us. We we check the film, and then we see that well, maybe that was all a mirage. Some guys test better than others. Not everybody is a track athlete. You you get it. So in the trial of the People's Jones versus Shea Patterson, case dismissed. They're both not very good. Now, with that out of the way, let's talk about these defensive backs. And I'll give some updates first on some injuries and some guys that maybe didn't run and whatever. First up, actually, let's talk about the the linebackers here, because both Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma and Patrick Queen, guys that may go late first, early second round, both linebackers they pulled up lame on their second runs. Now they both tested really well. So I thought both of them had a really good day. And then it was really disappointing to see in their second run when they both kind of pulled up lame and they were grabbing at their hamstrings. Both checked out fine. Both just have minor injuries to their hamstrings. I think I heard something about Queen committing himself to doing, you know, the on fill drills and everything like that at his pro day to kind of make up for it. So those guys are fine. Uh, As far as the safeties go, Grant Delpit is still dealing with a high ankle sprain and will do all of his testing and whatnot at his pro day. Will be important for him is a guy maybe is a uh, top you know mid to late first round selection may slide into early day two. We'll see with Delpit, but he did not test in Indy. He will do everything at his pro day. Trayvon Diggs uh, from Alabama is also going to test at his pro day, so he didn't run at the combine. And then another Alabama guy that I'll, that I'll touch on here, Xavier McKinney, who is a rumored first round pick, ran a 4.64, 4, which was not great for him. But he also kind of came up a little bit lame at the end of his 40. I think he's definitely faster than that from what I've seen on film. He said that he was dealing with some leg cramps. So he is going to retest at his pro day. So we will get the numbers from that. Also, Ashton Davis, who is a guy I've talked about on this feed before, is a potential first rounder and a guy that I would love if he slid into the second round for the Eagles to go get because this guy is a true center fielder out of Cal and is super athletic. I was excited to see what he was going to do in Indy. However, he is holding himself off until his pro day as well. So that's kind of your update on the injuries that I know of right now and when guys are testing later. And one more thing on the linebackers. Let's do another. I got to go back to the film on this guy, and I haven't done this yet, but Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State, linebacker, Tested extremely, extremely well. The guy came in at an impressive 6'1, 243 pounds, decent arm length, about 32 and a half there, big hands. His 40-yard dash was 97th percentile at 446. He had a 39 and a half vertical jump, that's 93rd percentile. His broad jump was 99th percentile. Three cone wasn't bad. His short shuttle wasn't bad. He benched 21 reps. So he checks a the box there, which shouldn't exist anyway. But, you know, not bad. It wasn't like under 10 reps, which you don't want to see. But Willie Gay Jr. just had a fantastic combine. And you're wondering, OK, why haven't you know we heard about this guy on a national level yet? This is a guy that's being projected to go into the third round. The problem with Gay is not the on-field stuff necessarily. And I still kind of want to see the film to kind of confirm that that's 100% and factual, but it's the off field stuff because he had dealt with some suspensions before in college. And I don't know if this is connected or whatever, but right when gay and some other uh, bulldogs were suspended that same month, the NCAA hit Mississippi state with some academic sanction. So who knows, maybe it was some, you know, rogue chemistry tutor or something like that, helping these, these students get through their college classes. I don't necessarily believe in coincidences there. Maybe it is. I don't know. The off field stuff, for gay is definitely something that is a concern for him which why he may slide in in the draft but man did he just test incredibly well and speaking of incredibly well we'll we'll touch one last thing on the linebackers isaiah simmons from clemson just an absolute freakazoid of an athlete now this is not a box that i need to double check like i knew that simmons was going to just crush the combine so that's not necessarily surprising you know, when I put in his athletic score, my grading scale was 10 out of 10. So there was nowhere for Simmons to go other than down any, but he certainly didn't do that. I mean, the guy is 6'4", 238. He has 33 and three-eighths arms, like all of that's so all of that's pretty good. His 40-yard dash of 439 is 99th percentile, Jump 39 inches, you know, hit 11 feet on the broad so I mean the guy is just crushing it all the all the athletic portions are 91st percentile or better and two of them are just absolutely elite so Simmons is a guy that I mean maybe some teams want to move him to safety so maybe that interests the Eagles maybe they double dip there but he's definitely going to be on the field on passing downs we know that much for sure so Simmons came in and and checked the box and really cemented you know his his high draft stock in the process now with that linebacker talk out of the way let's kind of get into day four of testing and of course. Me and Benjamin Solak, when we record, we're going to kind of touch on the whole thing and I'll talk with Mark Schofield. We'll talk quarterbacks and whatnot, but I'm just kind of dialing in on positions of need for the Eagles because I think that's the most pertinent information for you right now. And we can kind of deal with the whole, you know, 10,000 foot view type thing as we go through this process because we still got, you know, almost two months to go in this thing. So let's talk defensive backs. Cornerbacks, safeties, and we might as well hit on the ones that I wrote up for bleedinggreennation.com. You'll see the headline as 2020. NFL combine day four winners and losers. And this was an important day when you look at the Eagles needs, of course, and CJ Henderson is a guy that has been mocked to the Eagles and CJ Henderson came out and did exactly what I expected him to do. I had said he was fast before he tested fast and not only did he test fast, he looked like the most fluid mover during the on field drill. So the 439 40 yard dash, that's great. You know, it's impressive. I don't want to poo poo it. But like, that's kind of what you expected him to run. Run. And if you're wanting Henderson at the 21st pick, well, I got bad news for you because Daniel Jeremiah during the broadcast said that Henderson was going to go by pick 15. Teams think a lot about him. I have my own concerns that I've kind of laid out on this show before, and it's not just the fact that like he's not a big time chirper, which is weird for cornerbacks, usually they're the most chatty of the bunch. Some of that effort, you know, I wish he could play like he can play all of the time. I wish he wasn't so lax with his technique sometimes. I wish he had more of an interest in the run game. You know, tackling for cornerbacks is is not the most important thing, but it does hold some weight. And I thought that was an area where Henderson really struggled. And I think you saw that in the analytics, because when you look at Henderson's missed tackle rate, he's over 20%. And that's just not acceptable. Like at a certain point, like tackling doesn't necessarily matter for corners, and you know you bring up Deion Deion Sanders, and he's like a Hall of Famer or whatever. But when you when you look at Henderson and you see that he's got over twenty percent missed tackles, then you start to get a little bit concerned because I mean there at least needs to be a baseline and a certain interest in it. So yes, Henderson tested fantastic. We all know he's a fantastic athlete. I have my concerns. I'm wondering what the interviews and how they went for him at the combine and how confident teams feel about his mentality if he's 100% and they're not worried about his competitive toughness. So that's that's a big check for him. That's It's not the testing with Henderson. It never really has been. It's more of what's upstairs with Henderson. So we'll see how teams feel about that with how high he goes in the draft. And another Winner that I had. Let's go to safeties. We'll go with Kyle Duggar from lenore Rhine, the the big safety. There's going to be a strong safety in the NFL most likely, but looks like he's got some range to his game as well. He tested really well, like the 42 inch vert, 11 two inch broad, with a solid you know 4.50 40 time plus he had a great senior bowl week the guy was uh, better than i expected hearing about him coming in and having to do man coverage things and everything like that and with all that you've got a prospect that uh definitely making some money throughout the entire process and is definitely a name to watch. He's explosive on tape. The testing showed it. Like, sometimes you wonder with these small school guys because the competition that they're going up against, like, does he just look like that because everyone around him is going to be selling insurance next year? Or is it because he's actually that freakishly athletic? And in the case of Duggar, he is definitely that freakishly athletic athletic. So a great day for him. Another guy that I like that is a bit of a sleeper. I don't think he's a sleeper anymore. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. But at 219 pounds, Jeremy Chin, the safety from Southern Illinois, had similar numbers to Duggar, 11.6 on the broad, 41 41 inches on the vert, and then a very good 4.46 40-yard time. And he's a personal favorite of mine. Unfortunately, during the broadcast, like if you really like Chin, there's a problem because Daniel Jeremiah he was, said he was talking with the team. And so yeah, I like him in the third round. He was like, well, you know, you better get him. In the second, because he's not going to be there. So, Chin's stock, not necessarily rising. I think guys were on him. It's just not a national name, but uh, he's definitely getting round two hype right now. And he's a really good player, really good player. So, he was one of my winners. And another safety with NFL Bloodlines here is Antoine Winfield Jr. I had some questions, and I think a lot of people had questions about his long speed and his range on film. You know, this is a guy that had to come out and have a good combine, have a good run. And he did with four, four, six. So he checks that box. And that's someone whose, whose film I wanted to dig into, uh, more very soon because he is starting to get some, some big time buzz as well. I think definitely around that, that round two area as well. And, you know, for the fastest time that isn't Henry Ruggs, let's go back to cornerbacks. That's Javelin Goudry, cornerback of Utah. He is just the seventh cornerback in combine history to run sub 4-3. So I need to go back and watch some Utah tape. Now, I think everyone that, that was plugged in kind of knew that that Goodry was going to have that kind of time. I don't know if they knew he was going to run sub 4-3. So the 4-2-9 was really nice. Also benched 21 times. Like The guy had a really good combine. That's some tape that I'm interested in going back and seeing. All right, so when we come back here on the BGN draft specials, we'll go through some losers. Maybe we'll talk about some other takeaways from the NFL Combine that's coming up next here on BGN.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team.
1: And we are back here on the BGN draft special. This is episode eight brought to you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with you. And I just realized as I was pitching you to break, like I didn't even mention the top cornerback prospect in this class. And that is Jeffrey Okada from Ohio State. And he had an interesting combine. Cause I mean, like he checked all the boxes, right? He jumps over 40 inches, has a solid 40, everything like that. And there was a point in, in, in the, in the drills where he came down really hard. By the way, he looked freaking fantastic on the on-field drills like his stuff is real teach tape there's a reason this guy is going top five because that was some of the best technique I've seen on some of those drills but during one of the drills he went up for a ball caught it came down kind of came hard on his head and his hip and whatnot and you, you get this moment where Deion Sanders who has plenty of experience with this is, is yelling at Okuda you know like shut that thing down man you're going first and what he was saying was you know out of these prospects there is a gigantic gap between you and And the next defensive back so you don't have to do anything else but okada was like yeah you know i'll I'll shut it down for the on-field drills and then he goes and jumps 41 inches anyway so okada definitely solidified his stock in this whole process so we might as well call him a winner as well because anytime you do that it's a good thing now for the losers and this is this is the bad news if you're an eagles fan listening to this because some cornerbacks didn't necessarily test some test so well and they had some concerns one of my big losers was damon arnett the cornerback out of ohio state now arnett entered this process with concerns already and these were character concerns a lot of people that i know and they are plugged in really liked his film and they would have put his film you know fringe round one But the problem is he comes in, he's 5'11", 195, right, which isn't bad. But then he comes in with 30-inch arms, and this is a press corner with 30-inch arms. Now, you're going to have to be able to turn a run in the NFL with these wide receivers, and he only has a four five four 40-yard dash. So this is a guy with great tape, but he comes in with character concerns. Then he has the, the length concerns, and now he adds the long-speed concerns to it too when he's a press cornerback and might have issues turning and running or getting an effective jam because of that length, and I really think that Arnett wasn't able to capitalize on his film and really raise his grade, so he might be a guy that's sliding down draft boards just a little bit. Then you also get into another cornerback that is like outside of that top-tier cornerbacks, but is someone that people were talking about, and that's Cameron Dantzler cornerback from mississippi state and look there's this there's this cutoff and it's like 4-6-4 for the 40 yard dash and after 4-6-4 you really start to worry about these cornerbacks because historically none of them have been good like josh norman is the only one with a decent stretch in his career that has run past that and dantzler is really dancing on that line he ran a 4-6-4 and what what makes you really concerned about that is that he also had short short arms like Arnett did at 30 inches and 5'8". He's 6'2". He's 188. Like, this dude is real thin. And they had had issues keeping weight and putting weight on Dantzler all throughout his college career. I mean, I remember at one point early in his college career, they were having trouble getting him above 160. So, how much weight can this guy really add to his frame? And then how much is it going to take away from his athleticism? Because he's already a 4.64 athlete at 188 pounds. So that ability to turn and run is gonna be really concerning being effective with the jam and whatnot. And I, and I liked his tape, but honestly, overall, I didn't see quite the buzz, the hype that he was getting when I watched his film. And then you add all of this to the mix with the short arms and the long speed. And uh, yeah, that's a guy that's gonna be sliding down my draft board because I do not like that testing whatsoever. I think the last thing to do with these cornerbacks, maybe talk about a couple of guys that maybe weren't winners or losers, but just kind of did their thing. Nothing really stood out. Number one, Jeff Gladney from TCU, the sticky cornerback, ran, runs a 4-4-8, four, four, which is good for him. He's also super quick on film, super feisty, really competitive dude. He's a guy I think I'm going to like more than other people and really wouldn't mind the Eagles taking a taking a shot on there in round one at the 21st overall pick. Uh, the downside for him was his three cone. I thought he was a little bit stiff on film. And that three cone time of 726 kind of confirmed that as well. That's a it's a really bad time. Uh, I want to actually want to see the video to see what kind of happened there, but like the straight line speed is fine. You worry about the fluidity in the hips with the three cone. You know, you check the film for that type of thing, and I'll, I'll see what I see. But Gladney, you know, for the for the straight line, perfectly fine with that. And then Christian Fulton, I think a 4.46 is a perfectly good time for him. And Fulton is a guy, another guy. Like between him and Gladney, like those are the guys that I'm looking at at 21 overall for the Eagles from the cornerback group. And I think it stops. With them and Fulton's a guy with super super patience. There's there's zero panic in his game whatsoever. And you look at the long speed and it's fine. I think he's got great foot quickness and everything like that. So he's a player that I really like. I think he's getting an unfair knock for his contested catch ability because the PFF analytics really show him favorably in that light however there are a couple of games that really stand out in people's minds the texas game against colin johnson and then the clemson game you know working against t higgins at the catch point and you're talking about receivers that are six five plus and fulton struggled and yeah, of course, like these guys are six five plus. These these are what these guys are known for. So yeah, he struggled in that area at the catch point. But I think throughout his film, there are plenty of examples of him playing the catch point really well. So you know, really that that Ronald Darby comp that some people may give him just based on his profile, I think is more apt for a guy like Troy Pride Jr. out of Notre Dame. Is a guy I've talked about on this feed before, and he ran a four four zero. We knew this guy was athletic. He has a track background, everything like that. We know he could open it up and run when he needed to Uh, but he's a guy who really really struggled at the catch point more a lot more so than than Fulton and the numbers that PFF have on that back that up. Uh, look, he's only allowed six completions of 38 targets traveling over 20 yards in the air. But the downside is that over half of his contested catch situations have been hauled in by the uh, you know opponent wide receiver. So this is a guy with fantastic athleticism, but has problems finding the ball in the air, which sounds exactly like Ronald Darby. To me. So maybe that's why he's not getting the first round buzz despite the fantastic coverage that he had all week. At the senior bowl so really good time for him but i do have some concerns on film and the analytics kind of back that up as well two guys that i'll just kind of mention at the end here as uh, a couple losers that i i liked on film and i wanted to really see how they tested and we'll dig in more into this group you know as we go through the week and throughout this process but a couple of guys that that just had like catastrophic days for what they needed to do the first one being AJ Ipaniza from Iowa. And this is a guy I knew this day was coming for him because when you watch his film, you don't see a, the most explosive guy. You don't see the bendiest guy. But out on the edge, this is a big dude uh, that has fantastic hands, is one of the best hand fighters in the class. Like this guy knows how to counter with his hands, knows how to sequence his move together as he learns his opponent throughout the matchup and gets better as the game goes. 6'5, 275 pounds. I don't know where to play him. And the three cone of 734 really shows that stiffness in his hips to not be able to, to turn the arc and whatnot. And he can't threaten the arc with the speed anyway. I mean, the guy had a, a 5.0440 yard dash with a 1.8110 yard split, which is slow, slow. I mean, you saw some of these offensive tackles going faster than that. So a pretty catastrophic day for Ipaniza when I thought it was going to be bad already. So that's best bad for him. And then a guy that I really like from the senior bowl, who's super productive. I mean, this guy's coming off a 13 sack, 14 tackle for a lost season is Bradley Anai from Utah. And his three cone was even worse than Ipaniza's. He was at a three cone. So really stiff. I mean, this guy has polished hands. He's at everything in his game. He's got a big toolbox, a pass rush plan, all of that stuff. But does he lack the requisite explosiveness and bend off the edge, I think is a major question for him. And unfortunately, that remains a question after the combine. And And lastly, I just, I just got to touch on, I already mentioned on the offensive tackles, Makai Becton from Louisville and Tristan Wirfs, those guys were absolute freak aliens. I think this is a fantastic class if you need a top offensive tackle. I think the depth kind of really falls off after that that first group but you're going to see like four or five offensive tackles go in the first round. And for good reason, because like worfs, I mean, the guy ran a four, eight, five at 320 pounds with a 1.69, 10 yard split. Like buddy was moving. And I, I, I would take that. I really liked that really held up. Well, Joe Marino of the draft network had written this before the combine, but he dubbed Werfs as an athletic unicorn on the gridiron. And that can, I mean, the guy's legs are people The guys, huge. And he moves like an animal, but Kai Becton, also had a, had a great day at over 350 pounds. He was the first in history to log a what a, a 5'10. So it was 0.15 faster than anybody in combine history, weighing over 350 pounds at that 5'10, 40-yard dash. Just an absolute freak. So he made himself some money. They're calling him big ticket Beckton now, and, and teams were apparently raving about his performance at the combine. I could I could very much so see him going top five. So those are some of my con- combine thoughts. We talked about some defensive backs, you know, some linebackers, defensive line, and then a couple offensive tackles there that made themselves some money. Of course, we're going to be covering this for you. We'll have the Kiston Solak show coming out to you pretty soon. We'll be talking about these combine performances throughout the week, but I wanted to get these thoughts out there. I hope you had a good time. Remember, if you like the show, give us five stars, leave a review all that stuff. We really appreciate it. It really helps the show. And we couldn't thank you uh, more for the support that you've given us throughout this journey. So I've been Michael Kist. I thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.